I'm Noah. And I'm Ben. And you're listening to Product Journey. Hey, Ben, what is up in 2020? <laughs> hey, Noah, how are you doing? Um, I've had a pretty, pretty relaxing time uh, from Christmas until today, two weeks off. Um, two weeks off, that is amazing. <laughs> yeah, so still got four more days until I have to go back to the day job. What about you? Yeah, it's been good. Um, I have been pretty busy. I didn't have two weeks off, so not as <laughs> not as much free time, but I've done a lot of family stuff, which has been great. Um, and yeah, it's just been busy, but fun. And I'm looking forward to 2020. It's, it's pretty crazy that it's 2020. Yeah. Like it just that just makes me feel old for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not that old, but uh now it seems like that you know the 90s were a long time away <laughs> from that. Oh wait, you were born in the 90s, right? <laughs> I was, yeah. <laughs> huh. <laughs> now I'm feeling old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, pretty crazy. Another decade down. Yeah, so I think we've got a lot of a lot of updates to talk about. But before we do that, um, I know that you did this uh, refraining from social media and um, basically putting away all your technical stuff at certain times of the day. Yeah. So I'd be yeah, very it's interested. called a it's called a digital declutter. Yeah. Um, and so kind of the point of it is to for thirty days. We actually did it for like forty days. Me and my wife. Mm. Um, not use, you kind of can choose what you're not going to use. It's kind of, you know, you, you don't want, you can't just get rid of everything. Like, you know, <laughs> you're going to have to use some things yeah. just for the kind of the necessity in life now because we, you know, the culture relies on these things so much. Um, but the idea is just to remove the things that you don't really need um, for 30 days so that you can kind of like maybe break some addictions and just kind of more wisely think about how you want to use these technologies. Um, and so then you can kind of bring them back into your life and uh, just use things more wisely. Um, and I guess because kind of the uh, big problem that... So it came from this book called Digital Minimalism, by Count Newport. Mm -hmm. And so kind of the thing he's talking about is just really where our culture is kind of, it's just changing a lot. It's evolving in that, you know, people are always on their phones. Like our social lives are maybe uh, hurting in some ways, I think. And so this is kind of trying to take a step back and then, you know, how to handle social media and stuff like that so yeah. that you know, you can have better relationships in real life and like do the things that really matter to you. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's not necessarily just never use it again. It's kind of like, kind of know what it's like to be without it so that you can more wisely think of what you actually need, what you actually want to use, how you can use things in a better way. Yeah, so it's so basically, yeah, that's, basically going clean slate and then deliberately adding back those apps and and right. stuff that you want to use. Yeah, I, yeah, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> So for me, like the big thing was I didn't watch any YouTube videos, mm -hmm. which I'd mm -hmm. usually watch a <laughs> decent amount of YouTube videos. We uh, we made it, our, another rule we had was that we only could watch two shows a week. Okay. Um, okay. And then I wasn't going to be on Twitter um, 
I had a couple of exceptions if it had something to do with, you know, my side business where I needed yeah. to use that or indie hackers. But otherwise, I wasn't going to be on those platforms just because I, I do spend some time on those. And so kind of the outcome was it was just kind of freeing in some ways. Like we just realized that we had a lot more time. Like you kind of feel like your your evenings get really filled up pretty quickly because you're, you know, checking things, yeah, yeah. you're on the internet, and then all of a sudden you're like, well, I don't really have much time to do anything else. You know, you watch a show or something. Yeah, I can relate where to that. <laughs> yeah, where it's like throughout this last month, I definitely felt like, oh, I have some, I have a couple hours to like, I don't know, maybe try to accomplish something or, you know, I think it allowed for more pro- productivity and more, uh, craft kind of uh uh stuff like you know creating things um and so it was really fun um and i think there's definitely a lot of benefits at the same time though i did definitely feel especially early on kind of like i was missing out possibly (laughs) on something i can't imagine (laughs) so that's kind of yeah you kind of have to get past that Um, but yeah, I'm still kind of trying to think of how I'm going to use some of these online tools in a better way. I haven't really thought through it completely. Like I still want to, I don't want to just go back, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so yeah, I'm still, uh, figuring that out, like how I'm going to use Twitter and maybe schedule or time box different apps that I'm going to use. And, uh, so I'm not using them too much. So that sounds pretty good and also like you could probably do that again next year right and i like the fact that you did it with your partner because that way you basically it's easier i guess (laughs) yeah and it was good for just for us to talk through how it went and you know share that experience together so sweet (laughs) all right so yeah should we do the the regular updates uh (laughs) yeah so how's been definitely how's how's the the interviewing and uh and everything else going yeah so um this last month has been good because i have had a little more time to focus on my project (laughs) Um, and really the main focus has been the customer interviews trying to follow the mom test so i think now i've i've had probably about eight conversations with different people some of those being formal where you know i set up like an interview or you know, do a video call with somebody. Nice. And then a couple of those were, I, I went to kind of like a meetup and just like found some people that were either entrepreneurs or in the tech space and just started to asking them questions about these problems <laughs> yeah. that I'm looking into. So yeah, I've talked about eight people and it's been just from the eight people, it's been really interesting what I'm starting to kind of learn from it. I think there's a lot more yeah, I, I still need to talk to a lot more people to really have some good ideas. But what I'm kind of starting to see is that, um, so I've talked to some people that are in the bootstrapping space, mm-hmm. um, you know, smaller tech businesses. And some of the feedback I get from, or <laughs> yeah, feedback I get about feedback, how they use feedback, because um, that's, you know, the main questions I'm asking around is how how people are using feedback to make decisions is... So at least some of the bootstrappers is they don't really listen to their customers that much because they they just want to do kind of what they want to do <laughs> and they think they know best in some ways. So that that's kind of what I've gotten from, you know, two two of the bootstrappers I've talked to. And it kind of makes sense like bootstrappers are in this kind of for themselves in some ways like they're yeah. doing the business because it's something they enjoy. Um they're kind of 
they they want to make their own business mm-hmm. um and so they're not just gonna whatever the customers say i'm gonna listen to their feedback and do it um and i'm gonna make decisions based on that and so that was kind of interesting to see um but i guess my hypothesis is that you know every entrepreneur bootstrapper is gonna be a little different on that how they how they approach that you know some people just have the personality that uh basically that they know they think they know everything not necessarily <laughs> know everything but they you know they like to follow what they like and what they want to do where i think other you know entrepreneurs are more so like interested um in hearing other people's feedback more mm, maybe yeah so it's kind of been interesting to think through that um and then the the other kind of group of people I've talked to are people that work in big tech companies because there are you know a lot of big tech companies here in Seattle. So I've I've met some people that work at you know like Amazon or I met a guy that was yeah. that's been at Twitter, a product manager at Twitter for a while. So that was pretty cool and talked to him through some stuff. Um, a guy that worked at what is it? Uh, I forget the name. It's a big startup here in Seattle. They have like 800 employees. So it's like, mm-hmm. so these big tech companies, the kind of trend I'm starting to already see from talking to these people is that really they don't rely on customer feedback much either because <laughs> there's there's just so many, you know, there's so many voices. Um, and so one, it's hard to have a ton of customers and be able to pick out feedback to actually listen to. Um, And then the other thing I kept on hearing from them is that feedback or customers don't know what they want, Mm, Um, (laughs) which I think is, is something that, I don't know. I think Steve Jobs says something like that um, has a quote around that. Um, Oh yeah. And like Harrison Ford, I forget. That's the right name, right? The the person that made the the Ford. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Harrison Ford, yes. The car. Right? His, I think his quote is something like, "If you listened, if I listened to my customers, I'd have made a faster horse, or something like yeah. that." Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, and and the other thing I hear from them is that you know it's just it's kind of easier in some ways just to do like a test, do A/B testing. And look at the data and see what actually happens mm-hmm. and then just make decisions based on that instead of customer feedback. Mm, yeah, I understand that. <laughs> so after talking to some of these people, I was kind of like in a place where I was just like, oh, man, I feel like they're kind of just shutting me down here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, maybe there's just no place for this idea even uh, or a solution even around this problem like maybe this isn't really a problem like people don't care about customer feedback and so i was just like for a day or two i was just kind of rolling around in that like oh man do i need to go to something else like what what should i do here um but i have talked to a person or two that they really thought that customer feedback was important and so basically i don't know this but my hypothesis is that there are companies out there that customer feedback is really important to their business and I, my guess is that it has to do with if they're a b2b business or if they're a consumer business. oh that makes sense maybe yeah i could see that yeah because i could see like you know consumer businesses you know maybe they, those customers don't really know what they're saying and and it's more of the direction of the founding team that maybe moves that company forward where in a B2B, like, you know, a SaaS business, you're you're creating a service for a business. And so I think it makes sense where, you know, 
in a lot of ways, you're relying on those businesses to tell you what they need. Like, what service, how can I make this service better? What what service do you need to fulfill um, your yeah. goals? And so, I don't know, I think maybe it's more of a B2B solution that I would be looking for then. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know, that's, that's kind of, I guess, what are your thoughts on that? That's where I kind of landed on so far, but I still need to, you know, talk to more yeah. different customers to kind of show that that's true but that's kind of where i'm thinking right now yeah i think that makes sense what you're saying i was i was while you were talking i was thinking maybe there's a sweet spot because i get like a sweet spot between companies that have very few customers and companies that have very very many many customers um because Mm -hmm. i i totally get that let's say you have the scale of amazon it's impossible for them to listen to (laughs) to a lot of customer feedback i guess because everybody has an opinion and it's just too much Uh, on the other hand if you only have like I don't know, like if you're a bootstrapper and you, you, I don't like the word, but if you're trying to build a lifestyle business and you, <laughs> you want to focus on on your product and put like push it in in the direction that you that you have inside your head, you might also not be as interested in customer feedback. Or maybe there's some kind of sweet spot between those. And mm-hmm. um, just like you said, I can imagine that, or could imagine that, um, companies, medium-sized companies selling to businesses might be just that because uh, they usually don't have that many customers to reach a certain revenue mm-hmm. so they are kind of they obviously are dependent on those customers and they are therefore more interested in hearing what they can improve which they yeah. which they get through feedback so yeah that yeah i think that makes sense yeah yeah i agree with the size of the company like yeah, there's. I think there's a sweet spot where, I don't know, my guess is five to ten employees where maybe that's yeah. a business that has enough customers where it's not so many that it is, they can't hear anything, like there's just so much noise. Yeah. But they have enough customers where they might need help with some, you know, some solution helping them organize that feedback or, or something like that where, you know, if it's a solo founder that has, you know, only a few customers, like it makes sense. They're not really going to need help with that because they're probably just directly talking to their customers and which they should be doing, you know, yeah, and yeah. trying to listen to them and talk directly. So, yeah, I, th- I think there probably is a sweet spot and that's what I'm tr- I think would end up hopefully being my target audience. Um but yeah, it's been interesting just kind of following the mom test. Like I am starting to see like some differences and maybe learn some things where, you know, who is my target audience and um, who are the people that I should start listening to and then like also, you know, learn from them. But like, okay, maybe that means that you're not someone that I can solve something for. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it is hard because it just makes it feel like the the sliver of customers that you actually want to talk to and that you really want to solve something for is, you know, getting smaller and smaller. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if it gets too small, I guess that's the time to ditch the idea. But mm, yeah. <laughs> right. Hmm. So, yeah, that's how it's been going so far with customer interviews. It's kind of dropped off a little bit once you're getting close to the end of the year. Yeah, just naturally. You know, people are busy and doing other things then again i have to say or i have to applaud you for getting eight interviews so far i think that's that's quite a number (laughs) thanks yeah yeah it's been good um so other than that i've been kind of doing on the technical side i've been basically just kind of preparing um for how i want to build this future product Mm -hmm. um and so 
yeah, I guess talking about stacks, like tech stacks that I want to use. Um, so like in the past, I've used React for front end on the web and then like Python and Python Flask for the back end and mm. MySQL. Um, and I really liked React and it's been, yeah, I think that's a really good technology for front end stuff. So I want to keep, I want to use that again. Um, but I have been learning more about this framework called next.js, yeah. which uh, basically takes React and makes it so that it can be ran server side. Um, and so it actually optimizes it to where you can run React server side or on the front end. Um, so kind of depending on the situation, you know, if you're you're pulling from a server for the first time visiting a website, it can render the view completely on the server side. And so it'll be quicker and, you know, faster page loads and stuff like that, where once you're starting to click around a little bit within the web app, it will render it front end side so it's a really cool technology um has really uh nice apis for like paging um or you know like uh moving from page to page within a web app and stuff like that yeah yeah routing um so yeah i'm really excited about that i so i've basically just did some tutorials and taught myself how to do (laughs) next.js um and uh I've been looking at different CSS frameworks I want to use, and um, I've used, uh, what is it called, Material UI, so kind of like the Google mm-hmm. stuff in the past, which is good, but I think it it's also kind of what everyone uses. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, kind of see it, it everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I'm also just kind of interested in being able to u- uh, do some CSS where it's just more unique. Mm-hmm. Um and so I've been looking at Tailwind CSS just because, you know, it's kind of in oh, the yeah. bootstrapper space <laughs> and, you know, it'd be cool to be a, be using that because that's what a lot of the community is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, have you used that? Uh, I've, I've looked at it. I've also, I have to admit, I have never actually deployed a React application <laughs> um, yeah. to, to production. I've, I've just played with it. I've, I do have some, or did, did have some serious deployments of Vue.js applications to some big sites. Okay. Um, so I think they are and not Vue's too. kind of similar. Yeah, they are not too far apart. There's also something called Next.js, which is basically Next.js just for Vue. Um, so there's oh, yeah, wow. <laughs> basically two <laughs> ecosystems mirroring each other. Um, yeah, it seems like those two frameworks are kind of head to head right now in JavaScript. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I I did kind play with best. I did play with Tailwind CSS, and I also in that same vein played with Tachyons. I think that's what it's called. Um, it's what kind is of the, that? It's kind of the same approach. Maybe you can link it in the show notes. It's um, it's also very modular, and you just uh, do everything via classes. So it's not too far from that, I guess. Yeah, that's cool. So then on the back end, I'm looking into Node.js. Have you ever used that for server side stuff? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I guess what's your thoughts about it? I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, we actually, um, on the biggest project that I was working on, um, we did have a couple of Node.js microservices um, doing just Mm -hmm. single single tasks, basically. And it's just really, really nice for that, especially if you combine it, if you need a database and combine it with such as MongoDB. I really like that. Just very easy, and you can um, you can share code with the front end if you're doing it right. Like uh, have the same JavaScript and all. Yeah, I like wow. that. Wow. 
Wow, you ju- yeah, you just spoke uh, kind of my plans. Um, <laughs> yeah, it seems like everyone uses MongoDB with Node.js, and they use like Mongoose as kind yeah. of a framework in between. Yeah, it makes it very easy. Is it? I guess uh, so. Is it just something about that framework? Is it just a great setup for JavaScript, or what is? What's the deal with MongoDB? Because I mean, that you could use MySQL or you know other databases. What makes yeah MongoDB better? Um, it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's basically very close to um, to just using JSON documents, right? And that's that's right. what, what really works really well with JavaScript. Um, right. So that's a good fit. I don't think you always should go with MongoDB because there is a certain advantage and disadvantage in you know choosing relational or non-relational databases. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's something I totally. I, wasted time on <laughs> when building playgroup um i think i actually mentioned that on the podcast like there's this tree structure tree structure and you could you could perfectly um model that in mongodb i guess because everything's a document and then you just nest that uh, mm-hmm. but i ended up not doing it um and i think it's probably <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably went with the with the right right choice there um because it's really working really well um as i designed the database mm-hmm. right now but yeah, I could have could have chosen MongoDB as well, I guess. So um, I think the the biggest advantage really is when using it with JavaScript that it's basically JSON and you have those documents and it's really yeah. easy if you have such a wrapper as uh, as Mongoose. Yeah. Yeah. It's very simple to use. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because I think in MongoDB the data saved is like binary JSON they call it or whatever. Yeah. Um, so basically, what you're saying is if you have some relationships um, and your data it could make sense, you know, for the certain kind of relationships. And if you have so many of that, those rows, it could make sense to have a relational database instead possible. Like it could be faster maybe. Yeah. But um, that's probably, in different ways. yeah, at scale. <laughs> like yeah. Serious scale. It's, it's definitely a scale problem. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm thinking right now is Node.js, MongoDB and Mongoose for the backend to do an an API with Express. Have mm-hmm. you used Express? Yeah, I did. Is that is that kind of the common one? It looks like in yeah, Node.js. I would probably still go with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's pretty much my whole stack that I'm looking at. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of it's kind of fun. Um, like right now, I'm doing a just a course on, on Node.js just to because I haven't used it before to dive into that and it, it's just fun to you know use new technologies and it definitely seems like it's better than like using python flask for a backend uh <laughs> rest api so uh yeah it's just good to like learn new things and and figure out better ways to do things yeah so. what, I, what i really dig about the node.js ecosystem is also there's a lot of um a lot of people talking about it there's a lot of tutorials and you can really read through all of them and you know get going (laughs) yeah definitely yeah and it is kind of cool that be able to use javascript basically everywhere yeah (laughs) like the front end will be you know react and it's just javascript everywhere (laughs) yeah i like that as well (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that's pretty much my update just um figuring out that tech stack and learning there and then you know, the customer interview. So I, I think I plan like kind of the next couple of weeks will kind of be a lot, some of the same. Hopefully I'll learn some new things, but it will kind of just be kind of in a phase of preparing. Um, I think for me at least, uh, 
when I'm preparing, like just like learning tech stuff. And I think it just makes me more ready to once I am actually building it, like I can be faster, hopefully, and also build like write the code in a way where like I'm happy with it. And like, um, it's, it's not just kind of getting it to work. It's <laughs> also like getting it to be, you know, a good architecture and yeah. writing it a way where hopefully it can be something that can last longer term that I'll actually like working in. So <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I think because I've in the past I've um, I've done projects just uh, or I've I've done projects learning the technology while doing it. That's always mm -hmm. turned out a little messy. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. All right. So how's it going with Playgroup? Um, yeah, as you know, I, <laughs> I did release the the first version to production, basically. Yeah, that's I invited exciting. you. <laughs> um, oh yeah, I checked it out. And we now have a playgroup <laughs> for the podcast. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so there are still bugs, um, but I think uh, I managed to finish all the features uh, during my two week break, basically. Um, so you were working a lot on playgroup during your your two weeks off. Yeah, I mean, I tried to get a lot done, but then again, also like sh shut down all my technical devices <laughs> for Christmas and New Year's. <laughs> um, but yeah, between those uh, and right now, because what else should I do with this week? <laughs> I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm working <laughs> on it again, yeah. Um, so yeah, I also invited a couple of people um, to join those groups uh, and um, Val Soapy, maybe you know him from ClarityTask. He was, yeah. very, he was very awesome and um, basically recorded himself using it for the first time. So he made a screen capture, 12 minutes long, and um, I could also see his face on that. That was pure gold for me. <laughs> because, yeah, yeah, because he... He makes yeah, some good he, expressions. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the hell? No, but, <laughs> but it, was, it was kind of funny because you can see that, um, like, th those points where you, where you need to improve... Um, Mm -hmm. like small details or where he didn't get anything or where he didn't didn't get like the point of like public and private channels like what what does private actually mean because it doesn't say mm -hmm. that anywhere and um so yeah his, him, him recording himself was very valuable i guess i guess um showed me a lot of small details that i can improve upon he also discovered a couple of bugs <laughs> recording the video <laughs> uh, like proper bugs that he was fixing um so yeah uh -huh. that is that is kind <laughs> of what i'm also going for um I think for the rest of the month, like just letting people in, try to get some people who are or who know that I'm that I'm trying to build that, who maybe signed up for the for on on the little landing page that I put up, was like just like five or six people. But let me just like you know let me just <laughs> get them in and see what they have to say about it be before I get actual customers in. Um, yeah, and then just try to fix those bugs during this month. And yeah, I've also tried to think about channels um, of reaching customers. And um, I was actually thinking about, because I, I, I know one or two of those um, non-profit non organizations um, that work remotely, which I could probably pitch Playgroup to and just give it away uh -huh. for free. Basically just tell yeah. them it's it's very early, but you can get this if you see any value in it and just give, them, give it away for free and just uh, just try to get some feedback from that because yeah. I, because i guess i'm not really i mean server wise or or like infrastructure wise that's not really costing a lot at this point <laughs> even if they yeah, yeah. like even if it's 100 users or something like that that wouldn't really matter at this point 
Um, yeah, and I've also thought about um, other ways of finding customers and came up with the idea of looking into remote job boards, like uh, job boards where people or companies uh, offer remote jobs, because that's probably just the target audience. They, <laughs> I know that they uh, hire remotely and they need some kind of software to communicate, obviously. So that might be mm-hmm. might be a nice idea to to try and look for for possible customers there. Try to get people to talk to me. <laughs> Maybe try it out. Yeah, that could definitely work. Uh, yes, I mean job boards. Would you be? I mean, you'd mostly be looking at maybe the people that are trying to look for remote jobs. Yeah, or even even the companies offering the jobs because oh yeah yeah that makes sense <laughs> yeah i'm not super sure how to like who of that company you would probably you would approach but i guess that's that's research then just like if you have a company yeah. name um just visit the website and try to figure out who's who's hiring or who's you know who's in charge basically or who i could talk to yeah because so yeah, so what's ahead. kind of your pitch to them like why should they use playgroup yeah that's still to be figured out <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's probably like a calm way of communicating um uh-huh. i might actually because i still have to put up a real landing page and i was thinking if i do this very very blunt comparison like how does playgroup compare to slack mm-hmm. how does it compare to twist um where's the difference what's the advantages um, I'm not super yeah. sure if, if that's actually a good idea, like doing it that way and being like very upfront about it. Like you can replace Slack with this or <laughs> if I should not say that. Um, so I'm still trying mm-hmm. to figure it out, but I think it's the elephant in the room as, as I got as some, some feedback earlier. Um, so people, I, I think people want to know that. So there is no point in basically not mentioning it. So I could as yeah. well just say, here's how it's different from Slack. <laughs> yeah. I think that's probably a good idea because I, I know for me, like that was definitely what I was thinking. Like I could just see, <laughs> yeah. you know, pretty much everyone's used Slack and I think they're all going to be thinking, how is this different from Slack mm-hmm. or as they're trying it out, they're thinking like, okay, this is kind of similar in some ways, but what's different here? Like, and it was in some ways that for me, like that was, I think kind of what created some confusion was just like, Oh, this is different than Slack. How does this work? Like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Um, and, but then I, I did kind of see, like, it seems like, you know, with the threads that you have in Playgroup, that it kind of does create a way for like, you know, everything kind of has its place in a different thread. And so there's not just communication that's, you know, just kind of going on randomly in a channel um, yeah. where it's more like this This communication has more of a purpose of what it's supposed to be about and you can find it here. Like, you're not going to lose it because um, yeah, exactly. it's in the, the thread. Um, so I think I, I definitely could see some of the differences, but I, I could see that being hard for people to see or, or to see why they need that differently. Like, w- like what's the benefit to it? Um, yeah. And so maybe if you, I could see if you pull that out and just kind of, hey, this is the differences and this is why it's better <laughs> yeah. in this way for teams. Um, I, I could see that being useful. Yeah, totally. Maybe even just reduce it to the core points must must not be that much, I guess. Just like five to 10 points where, where it differs, uh, where, where it exceeds basically. 
Mm-hmm. I, by the way, I accidentally built a pretty cool feature, I think, that uh, <laughs> that I have not seen in Twist or Slack so far, which is that you can make threads public and that will give you a um, shareable domain, a shareable uh, URL. And oh. um, I'm, I'm planning to give you the opportunity to password protect that so that you can also send the URL plus a password. And then anybody mm. without being on your team could basically partake in that thread. I think that's a pretty good good idea that because is really good <laughs> idea <laughs> because you you don't have to basically pay for the people like get them on your team and you can always yeah. revoke the url so i think that's that might be a pretty good separation from slack and twist <laughs> yeah that's interesting i could see that being helpful for you know, software firms that are building stuff for clients where they are really only doing a small project with someone or something. Yeah. They don't really want to add them to their whole communication system. They're just like, oh, just for a couple of weeks here, have this thread. Yeah, and they don't even <laughs> we have can to talk s- about it here. Yeah, and they don't even have to sign up. It's very easy for their clients then to just partake in the in the communication. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I like your idea about just what the next month looks like with just, you know, having people try it, getting feedback from people, um, fixing stuff as it comes through. Yeah. One idea of I had of maybe a good way to do that is is if you tried to like basically bring a group of people together and and kind of like simulate a little group on playgroup. Uh, like an idea is maybe it's you know just a couple entre- entrepreneur friends or people you've yeah you've met in the community um, that may- maybe we don't even know each other but like we could get on this group and like share things that we are learning or links that we found interesting almost kind of like narrower but we <laughs> could do it in play group just to test it out and for everyone to have a reason to use it um, in play group like I'm I'm just guessing that people will learn more things or see how it's useful or or maybe yeah yeah maybe you could learn more about it if people are using it in a way that they we might you know that you're actually intending it to be used um yeah definitely as well I was actually thinking the same. I might also force the people at my day job to to use it. <laughs> um, <laughs> you have to use this <laughs> and and also try to just uh, build maybe even more than just one small group uh, or groups of people um to, yeah basically like maybe even create some kind of a mastermind group with uh, with entrepreneurs as you said or yeah, yeah, basically that'd be try awesome. to get other podcasters on board <laughs> i don't know I, yeah. I have some ideas for groups yeah that that could basically benefit from that actually you could also yeah. like every, everybody who's using slack for groups right now could <laughs> could, could be pulled into playgroup maybe i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's i think that's a good idea yeah me too i should do that (laughs) i love when i say that on the podcast because i do that a lot (laughs) (laughs) yeah i should do this thing okay (laughs) i guess i have to now i said it (laughs) Uh, see any anything else with play group i think that's about it i'm still trying to you're feeling pretty good about it yeah i mean there are some bucks still um but I think it turned out pretty pretty good. It's running pretty fast, faster than I expected. Actually, it's it's kind of funny because I have a really old MacBook, um, which I used to run the server locally, and it's actually slower than when I deployed it <laughs> to production. So that was that was a nice surprise there. <laughs> so on my computer, basically, it's really well, not really slow, but it's slower than 
then when I deployed it to the server. <laughs> so what do you use for, yeah, production? Like what servers or services are you using for that? Um, it's actually a German hosting company. They give you uh, one gigabit um, up and downstream, I think. It's it's pretty cheap, actually. <laughs> nice. So you have you used like Heroku or something like that? Yeah, I did in the past. Um, but the the value you get for the price I'm paying right now is, I don't know, probably 4x what you get from a single Heroku dyno. So yeah, that, that makes oh, sense okay. to just use it. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. They just throw away hardware for, for almost nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking at Heroku right now, which I haven't used before. Um, but I'll have to see if there's any other solutions I should look into. So... Yeah, I think we can come up with a list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's probably like a million. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, I think that is that's about it for this week. Yeah. Um, charging off into 2020 here, <laughs> so it's gonna be fun. Um, and uh, listeners, you can find the show notes at productjourney.fm. Yep, and that's it. See you next week. All right, bye. Bye-bye.